sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Now it's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. I am joined by Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell. We're going to discuss the world of investment from a UK perspective, but I understand we're going to look at the uh, the Fed to begin with. Well, markets Russ. are dancing for the moment, yeah. at least, to central banks' tune, although in some ways you could argue they're doing their best to ignore what central bankers are telling them because the markets have been busily pricing in this central bank policy pivot, as it was known in, 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 in spring 2023, when central banks would start cutting interest rates and start providing fresh monetary mm. stimulus. That's what helped. one of the things I think helped to drive the summer rally in, in, in share prices and risk assets that we've seen. But on Friday, Chair Jay Powell and some of his colleagues afterwards, including Neil Kashkari of the Minneapolis Fed, couldn't have been more unequivocal in their, in their statement that there is no pivot planned, that they're prepared to risk a recession as the cost of tackling inflation. Now, you can argue that this is <laughs> central bank jawboning and they're trying to get back on top of the narrative of made, mm. having made such a mess of it by arguing that inflation is, is transitory. And I think the Fed's history is, is very much that it will panic at some stage because it will, it will raise interest rates until something breaks, either the financial markets or the economy or both. But at the moment, the Fed believes that it has a chance to try and at least vaguely catch up. And therefore, you're not going to get that pivot uh, in early 2023 for the moment, at least. And markets are now maybe hoping for it in, in late 2023. But I think that's one of the reasons why markets have been having been really quite happy with themselves throughout summer. No sign of the summertime blues at all. And selling may and go away hasn't done you any good this year. Uh, it's why markets have got very, very upset with themselves you know, in, in the past week or so. Is the Fed is talking much tougher than they, they think. And although in the end, I think the, the Fed will bottle it. I think it will only bottle it when there's te there's real signs of damage, just as it only you know panicked on raising interest rates mm. when there was, it was obvious to even a blind person that you know inflation was a major problem. Yes, <laughs> if we go back to when we first were discussing this, long before central banks claimed it was no. anything other than transitory, um, and when I mean, the Fed are being rather tougher, aren't they, than the Bank of England? So what are we expecting? Well, the Bank of England, the Fed has moved a lot quicker. I mean, the Bank of England, I think, will continue to move um, and, and, and raise rates. And again, that's another reason why UK equities are probably feeling a little bit sorry for themselves. And the European Central Bank is the one probably with the biggest dilemma because it's got this even bigger energy problem than the UK has. And the UK is relatively self-sufficient in energy. So it's kind of a, a less of an issue for, for, for the US. But Europe has got the biggest challenge of all. And it's a relief for everybody to see some of those German one-year forward gas prices come down so sharply but they're still up five six seven eight hundred percent so that's mm. that's still not 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 much comfort but the european central bank will probably move more slowly than all of them because it's got this energy dynamic over which it has virtually no control it's got an italian general election coming up and it's got all of these different economies operating at different speeds with different requirements which is you know one of the fundamental questions that remains about the eurozone edifice even a decade after mario draghi promised mm -hmm. he would do whatever it takes to preserve it and preserve it he has but it hasn't stopped the euro going from 125 to the dollar again to one over mm -hmm. that time period so again the, the weakness there is you know markets are not expressing maximum confidence in the foundations of the eurozone block for all that madame lagarde the new european central bank president is promising i think an anti-fragmentation mechanism or whatever that means to to um try and help out the peripheral southern indebted nations as and when European Central Bank rates start to really move up. Uh, let's just uh, briefly take a pause for breath. Mm -hmm. 
sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose in conversation with Russ Mode of Asia Bell. We're looking at the world of investment from a UK perspective in the financial outlook for personal investors. Um, Russ, given that so much of the driving force of, for inflation at the moment are external um, factors like energy prices. I mean, what can the central banks do anyway? I mean, are, did they have well, much control over in, not inflation? Not over energy. But, well, no. the, 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 well, the control that they have. I mean, all right, if you, you know, as believers in free markets, what, what normally happens when prices are high? What's the best cure for high prices? Well, it's high prices, right? Because you either get extra supply or you get users searching for a cheaper and more efficient alternative, or if they fail, you get demand destruction. Now, central assuming a free those, market, of course, yes. Well, yes. Well, that's a, that's a caveat. But central banks have only got one of those three options available to them mm. in terms of their policy tools, and that's demand destruction, which is the path that they're going down. And hence, Mr. Powell's comment about recession possibly being, or implication that a recession may be the price worth paying. So that is demand destruction, and that's partly why you've seen oil prices wobble recently back to about ninety-five dollars a barrel. Um, but intriguingly, since July, um, all the oil has come down and oil stocks are up. Uh, they're not paying a lot of attention to the short-term oil price. They are looking further down the path. And they're looking at the prospect that in the end, you know, energy demand is growing. We have intentionally restrained supply for perfectly good reasons, ecologically, environmentally. But we've intentionally done it. And then on top of that, there's a political overlay, sanctions with Russia, Venezuela, Iran. America is now trying to do its best to cobble some deal together with Iran. So that's worth bearing in mind. But even if we were to go to Russia on bended knee and end the sanctions, I'd be intrigued to see what President Putin said. It probably wouldn't be very polite. Um, so there, there, there are angles that you can you can take. But from a political angle, what can you do? Well, you can subsidize. You can impose price caps. Um, you can try rationing. Uh, none of them are particularly appealing. None of them really helped that much in the 1970s. Um, but I'm sure that they will. We've already seen some. De- we've already seen some degree of. We've already seen some degree of subsidies, um, and I'm sure we're already now here. You know, we've already seen some degree of price caps in the energy market, and a fat lot of good they did. And I'm sure we'll we'll see further discussions of that. But equally, doing nothing is not an option from a political perspective because you're just going to let businesses go to the wall. So they yeah. will do something, but none of the options are appealing. Subsidies, price caps. Um, end sanctions, none of them, again, are, are a particularly pleasant prospect. So whoever takes over in Downing Street after next week's result has got some big decisions to make. And it's the old Thomas Sowell phrase, you know, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. So there is no magic wand solution here. But uh, yeah. whatever happens, somebody's going to be unhappy. And as a result of that, you suspect the politicians will therefore probably go for the basis common denominator, which is some degree of stimulus at some stage with well, the market's particularly serious consequences, and the market's particularly bothered who actually occupies ten. Uh, they, historically, they're, they're correct not to be, because you know there've been five mid-term prime ministers coming to the UK since the FTSE All Share in 1964, Callaghan in 76, Brown in 07, Major in 90, Theresa May in 16, and over a one-year view, the market basically did nothing. It, it just looked and went, <clears throat> but 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 in each case there was a there was a. A dynamic gone in the background. Callahan was facing stagflation and an oil shock and, and union strikes. John Major, the devaluation of the pound and the, uh, the sterling dejection from the ARM. Gordon Brown walked into the great financial crisis. Theresa May was mopping up Brexit. Boris, so there were bigger things at work. And I think whoever's in Downing Street, that's the issue. It's the old Macmillan thing, you know, events do, boy, events or whatever it was he said. And and, and that's what's going to shape markets. The macro will be important. And then from a, if you're looking at stocks, Cash flow, 
and the valuation you pay to access that cash flow. Valuation is the ultimate arbiter of, of your investment return. FTSE 100 is offering a 4.2% dividend yield right now. If you think about it, then if you assume that effectively that makes the FTSE 100, you can argue, a 24-year bond in effect, because through the dividend yield, it takes mm -hmm. 24 years to get your money back if there's no capital return. So why on earth are you sweating over a prime ministerial term that's going to be five years when you're dealing with a 24-year-long investment? What's the yield amount? Four point. Four point two. So effectively, that means you, you know, to get you, if you put a hundred pounds in, it's going to take you twenty-three point eight years to get your money mm. back. Assuming there's no capital growth. Now, clearly, we assume there is capital growth. Yes. <clears throat> and it, over the time trend in the FTSE one hundred, it's been you know six, seven, eight percent. But assuming that it isn't, because it's best not to assume that the past repeats itself, then you're dealing with a, a long-term time horizon asset, and you're dealing with prime ministers at the moment who are struggling to last out a full term. So yes, you have to look at what the prime minister is thinking of doing regulation, deregulation, taxes, certain sectors will get it in the next, certain ones won't, but you've no chance of guessing which one's which. You know, as Robert Soller, the American economist said, you know, economists are often asked to predict what the economy is going to do, but for economic projections, you need, you know, guess uh, estimates as to what politicians are going to do and nothing is more unpredictable. So if anything, the best thing you can do is not stress about who's going to be in number 10. You may get a hot under the collar for political reasons and that's fine by you. I have no allegiance to or particularly interest in any of them. Um, but I think from an economic, from an investment point of view, trying to second guess what they're going to do, yeah, I really wouldn't even <clears throat> try. Russ, thank you very much indeed. Those words of wisdom come from Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell. Russ will be back with me in a fortnight's time. Russ, thank you very much indeed. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.